0: Come on. All right. Well, we're going to be continuing in our series on the Lord's Prayer. But before we, before we launch in today's message, let's pray real quickly for Pastor Mike. He asked us on his intro video this morning to pray for him. And uh, as much as I enjoy having the opportunity, and I'm honored by the opportunity to share the word this morning, I want to be faithful to the lead pastor of our house, who asked us to pray for him this morning. So, would you all join with me in praying? If you're comfortable, I just want to ask you, just okay, someone who is he was directionally not directionally challenged as I am, where is Brooklyn? That way. Let's just uh, let's just raise our hands and pray for Pastor Mike this morning. So, so Heavenly Father, we bless you. We pray for our pastor, Pastor Mike, this morning down in Brooklyn, New York, ministering there to the church. We pray, Lord Jesus, for Res Church, for Mike, for that relationship. We pray, Lord God, for soft hearts that are that are ready to, and able to be molded to one another. We pray, Lord God, that you would move that those who are far from Christ this morning would find themselves drawn into your presence, drawn into a relationship, drawn into healing. Lord God, we pray. Holy Spirit, that you would move today in that church, Lord Jesus, and that they would have an awesome celebration in you this morning. Amen. Amen. All right. Great. So, we're going to continue, as I said, in our series sermon on the Lord's Prayer. And so, like Pastor Mike did last week, this I'm just going to ask us to As you know it in your faith tradition, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. So, some of you may say debts. Some of you, like me, may say trespasses. There's therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to condemn you if you say debts. Don't condemn me if I say trespasses. Let's recognize we accept the big things that Jesus is Lord, and let's move on. All right? So, starting at the beginning, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It was so awesome. His disciples said, teach us how to pray. And he said, this is what you do when you pray. Start off this way our Father who's in heaven, remind yourself of where God is. Remind yourself that He has a a heavenly perspective on the things that are going on around you. Remind you that He's got eternity on His mind, that that's the God you're praying to. Not not the God like the, the Romans prayed to that had just as many problems as the people did, right? Or the Greeks or whatever other mythology you want to take. He said, pray to the Father who's in heaven, who looks down from eternity and says, this is the way. Pray to that, that God. He says, holy is your name. Hallowed be, is your name. It's the way I learned it as a kid. Holy is your name. That even God's very name is holy. He's set apart. It reminds me of Isaiah and that, that vision he had, and God was set up on the throne, and, and the, the, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. His holiness the temple. It's that, that robe of God that the woman reached down and touched, and she was healed. That holiness of who God is, that's, that's the God you pray to, the one that's in heaven, that sees things from an eternal perspective, the one that's holy and set apart. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and what's God's will? Jesus tells us I love it because Jesus gives us the answers. Whenever you have a question, you're just like, "I don't understand what God want, means by this." Look, there's an answer. He says it in John 6:40. He says, "And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I, Jesus, will raise him up at the last day." Your will be done. That everyone gets saved. That everyone gets raised up at that last day. That's the Father's will. That the increase of his government and of his peace, there is no end. It just goes on and on and on. And so then we get to today's part of that prayer Give us this day our daily bread. And so we're, we're going to, at some point here, we're going to look back to Exodus in chapter 16. So if you're taking notes, or if you've got your scriptures with you, and you want to kind of get yourself prepared for where we're going, I'm just going to move this a little bit, because I know they're going to put the words up on the screen, and that way, eventually when they do, because they don't need to yet, that way, eventually when they, um, you'll be able to see them, because I won't be in the way. So, if you want to get there, go ahead. But we're going to start off just before that talking a little bit about what is this daily bread that we need? What is this daily bread that Jesus says to ask for? And so, we are created in God's image, and because we're created in God's image, we're, we're triune beings, mean, meaning that we've got three parts to us, and, and together today to have some sort of spiritual experience, really at our core essence, we're spiritual, eternal beings, who have gathered today to have an earthly experience in these earth suits that we're wearing. And so, we are three parts. We are body, soul, and spirit. And so, today, the Lord says, ask for your daily bread. Ask for your daily bread for all three aspects of who you are, your body, your soul, and your spirit. And so these, these earth suits that we wear, we know they have needs. I mean, mine remind me constantly to eat and sometimes to sleep, but um, rarely to exercise, but I should more often, right? But, you know, I'm working on it. Uh, But we've got these bodies, and they have their needs. This earth suit that we're wearing, it needs maintenance. Um, We're reminded of these things. So So, God says, listen, ask for your daily bread. Ask for those things that you need to keep this earth suit working properly, in Philippians 4.19, it says that He knows our needs, right? And He said that He'll supply all our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. So, God knows that we have needs. Psalm 37.25 says, I've been young and now I'm old. I can, I can really, you know, identify with this, this Scripture. I've been young and now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor His descendants begging bread, right? So, God knows that we have these, these physical needs. When we think about our soul, I think about our desires. I think about our wants, our appetites, those things that we like, Um, some of which are good, some of which are not. We're not going there, but see Galatians 5 for a list of all sorts of things that are not. Um, But our souls need to be fed too, right? They need their daily bread. And just as we can consume some junk food full of empty calories for our bodies, we can consume junk food for our souls. And sometimes we do. No condemnation. Been there too. Okay, probably was there yesterday. Um, But Isaiah says this in 55, "'Why do you spend money for what is not bread "'and your wages for what does not satisfy? "'Listen carefully to me and eat what is good "'and let your soul delight itself in abundance. "'Incline your ear and come to me. hear, and your soul shall live "'and I shall make an everlasting covenant with you.'" Our souls cry out for good food, there's all sorts of uh, you know empty calories out there and I'm not condemning them I'm just saying our souls cry out for that good food too David says oh, taste and see that the Lord is good blessed is the man who trusts in him and so we we need to feed our souls we need to feed our bodies we need to feed our souls and 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 as an example So I could feed my body eating like a a soy protein paste, right, out of a tube. And that would provide nourishment, proteins, and calories, and whatnot that this, this earth suit needs to keep running. But, you know, for me personally, I could also have some draki with some basmati rice, maybe some naan, um, a cucumber salad, and I would be much happier, and it would feed my soul as well as my body, right? So, so our soul are those things that we enjoy, those things that it's more than just nutrition. It's an enjoyable meal. When I think about feeding my soul, I think about a, a walk on the beach or sitting by a river or listening to a song, I mean, I'm sure there's some genres of music you like, and you listen to those songs on the radio, and then your song comes on. I think the hip young kids call it, like, your jam or something like that. And you turn it way up at that point. Whether there are people in the car or not, you don't care. You start singing at the top of your lungs that song um, because it feeds something more. It's more than just a song you like. There's something about it that's feeding your soul. Laughter. Does the heart good as medicine. It's, It's a way to feed the soul. And then there are wonderful ways within our Christian faith, within the context of our Christian faith, that we can feed our soul. Worship feeds our soul. It draws us close to God. Fellowship with one another and having a godly conversation feeds our soul. Life groups feed our souls. This morning's experience is here to in part, feed our souls. You can listen to podcasts and so sermons and dev- read a devotional and testimonials. There's all sorts of ways to feed our soul that good stuff that it so longs for, out of maybe some of the empty calories. So be creative. Look for ways to feed your soul. Lastly, we've got our spirit, that spirit man that's created by God. And it's it's really that essence of the you that's you, that makes you you, that there's never been another you in the history of creation, and there'll never be another you ever Right? That part of you that God created that no one can change, that simply a part of of His grand design, that essence, that inner man that Paul talks about in Ephesians 3, that inner person. We've got that spirit part of us, and our spirits must be nourished as well. They also need their daily bread. And so, there we turn to the Word of God to get our daily bread for that spirit part of us. Jesus says, in John 6, 63, that His words are truth and their life, right? Their spirit and their life. We actually can feed our spirit, man, when we're reading the Word of God. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we know that, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, all things were created through Him. And nothing was made that was made that was not Him. And that was Jesus. And so, we need that Word of God to feed that spirit that lives inside this earth suit. And so, we do that by reading our Bible. And we do that by praying. Whether we're praying in English with our understanding or in another language, if you know another earthly language, or if we're praying in a spiritual language, we can be praying and drawing close to God, exercising our faith and feeding that inner man, that spirit man. Pastor Mike said on his video that we have our first Tuesday coming up um, this month, May uh, 2nd at 7 o'clock. And so, I want to encourage you, come out. Come out because we're going to pray together. We're going to have a teaching that He's going to do on hearing the voice of God and, and being led by the Spirit of God. And we know that the Word says that those who are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. So, if you want to be a son, daughters included, all right, of God, then come out. Learn to hear the voice of God. Learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Develop. Get a meal for that inner man, that inner woman inside of you, that spirit side of you. Amen? Okay. So, body, soul, spirit, we're all three. So, keep that in the back of your mind as we jump backwards in our scriptures to Exodus chapter 16. And I've got to find my copy here. There it is. Okay. Exodus 16. We're going to start off reading 11 through 15. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And so it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a small, round substance, as fine as frost on the ground, And so when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what what it was. What is it? That manna. That's what they were saying. It's manna is what we call it. But they were just simply saying, what is that? What is that thing that God has given us to eat? And it's funny because they start off, it says that they were grumbling. So Little context, the children of Israel have left Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're going out. They're in the wilderness trying to get to the Promised Land. They're about two months into their 10-day journey that will take them 40 years. And they start complaining. I mean, did you catch that? They're two months into their 10-day journey that's going to take them 40 years to get there because of a little bit of unbelief and doubt and fear that was in them that God had to work through in the children of Israel. And so they're about two months into this journey, and they're in the wilderness, and they start grumbling and complaining. <laughs> <laughs> We're out here in the middle of the desert. and Why are we out here? <laughs> right? I mean, if you're a parent, you've heard grumbling before, typically from the back seat, maybe sometimes from the spouse sitting next to you in the car, if you're like me. Nothing against my wife. It's usually because I'm doing something wrong. Like using my wife in the middle of a uh, message as an example, yeah. I'm in trouble now. (laughs) Fortunately, I still have the mic and haven't been dragged off the stage. But there's a little bit of grumbling and complaining going on in the camp. They're upset. They're looking back at Egypt. Amazingly, they've been out for two months and they're already thinking, man, if I was only a slave again in Egypt, life would be so much better. I mean, this is some real serious grumbling going on here. This is some crazy grumbling. The funny thing about it is to me is this. They're like, well, it's better that we were slaves in Egypt than we would starve to death in the desert. Remember, they had their flocks and their herds with them. I mean, they were hardly going hungry here at this point. They had sheep, and they had cattle. They had milk. They had I mean, give me a break. They're grumbling, and they're complaining, and they're looking back and saying, if only I was a slave in Egypt, life would be so much better. It, it reminds me of a story that my mother likes to tell about her youngest child, who, who one day when his grandmother was over visiting went to my mother shortly before dinner and said that i would so like a chocolate chip cookie mom and she said no it's almost dinner time I said oh but i really want a chocolate chip cookie mom and she said no it's almost dinner time so he turned of course to his grandmother cuz how could a grandmother say no and she just deflected him back to his mother again that it was her decision and so Beside himself, he collapsed to the floor and emphatically declared, Mom, would you watch your baby starve to death before your very eyes? And she said yes and shuffled him out of the kitchen. And she and my grandmother had a great laugh as they sipped their wine and thought, we had dinner and a show tonight. This is just wonderful. What else do you have in store, Sue? Um, that youngest child of my mother's. So there they were, grumbling, complaining, wishing that they were slaves in Egypt rather than have to go through the journey that they were on to the promised land. And we get to verse 16. And so Moses says to them, this is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. And the command here actually isn't for men. It's really, it's better translated person. Let each one go and gather together. And so it gives us a great a great lesson there about our daily bread that as parents, yes, we can gather to an extent for the young ones in our house who maybe aren't able yet to go and to gather for themselves. But at some point, we have to put away childish things and start to gather for ourselves. God has put forth the daily bread for us, but it's up to me to go and gather that daily bread for myself. I have to go out and I have to be able to gather together that which will feed This body and which will feed my soul and which will feed my spirit. I cannot rely on someone else to do that as much as I may want to. It doesn't work that way. At some point, we become like those little kids last week who were baptized who said, You know what? I want to be baptized because I believe, not because my parents believe, but I believe because I believe in Jesus and I've met Jesus and He was baptized, so I want to be baptized too. At some point, we've got to move and transition to that place where we're going out and we're gathering ourselves. We can't trust on someone else to do that. Even though Jesus paid the price for our salvation and it's free, that manna was free. It just appeared every single morning and and would appear every single morning for 40 years it will appear. But they still had to go out. They still had to gather it. They still had to do something with it to to make it into what it was they were going to consume that night. So, each one of us has to go out. We can't rely on someone to do that for us. Picking up at 17. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered, some more, some less. So, when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much had nothing left over. And he who gathered little had no lack. "'Every man had gathered according to each one's need. "'And Moses said, "'Let no one leave any of it until morning.' "'Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. "'But some of them left part of it until morning, "'and it bred worms and stank. "'And Moses was angry with them. "'So they gathered it every morning, "'each man according to his need. "'And when the sun became hot, it melted. "'Some gathered more, some gathered less.' You know, there are going to be seasons. Remember, this is going to continue for 40 years in the desert. And in over 40 years, we all know, those of us who have maybe a little less hair, a little more gray hair, we know there's going to be some different seasons that are going to come in life. You know, for Michael Williams right now, since he's up front and I can see his face, life's been pretty much the same in many ways through life. But over time, it's going to change. There's going to be different seasons that are going to come into your life, young man, that you're going to walk through. And so, for 40 years, they gathered manna in the desert. Some more, some less. Sometimes we go through seasons of our life where everything's going great. Oh, the job's good. The kids are good. The house seems like to be miraculously clean all the time. The laundry fairy arrives, so there's always clean clothes put away in the dresser. The lawn is always mowed. The bills are always paid. The boss is always happy with you. And it's like, well, I can just sit back, and I can pray, and I can read my Bible, and I can worship, and I can jump into worship with God immediately. Like, life is just grand. And we can gather much in those seasons. But it says here... Those who gathered more, right? He who gathered much had nothing left over. There in a season where it was easy to go out and gather. It was easy to get into the presence of God. It was easy to feed your soul. It was easy to feed your spirit. But yet, at the end of the day, there's still nothing left over. Because the intention here is that you come back again tomorrow to gather again, right? So there are those seasons where you gather much. And you might be in a season where that's not you. And you're looking around and you're like, my gosh, how do those people do it? That's not fair. How do they have all that time? Well, they just happen to be in that season. Because you know what? There are other seasons there are other seasons where the kids are fighting all the time. They're sick. They have schedules that there's, it's impossible. You need to be like Albert Einstein to connect everyone's calendar together to find a free moment in time. The job is the, is going terrible. The boss is always on your back. The house is a mess and the laundry just multiplies. You can't find the spare socks anywhere. There's a basket of them with no mates at all, right? I mean, it just goes on and on and on and it doesn't matter what you do. You can't find two seconds To stop and pray, let alone praying an hour with Jesus, like He said to the apostles, couldn't you even watch with me for one hour? There are those seasons too. Over 40 years, I guarantee people had both of those seasons in their life. I know I have had both of those seasons where it just seemed like there was nothing I could do. So, what does it say? It says, Those who gathered little had no lack. They had no lack. They could only get out there for a little bit. They could only get out there for three minutes because someone could keep the kids, you know, occupied for three minutes while I run out and gather a little bit of manna for the love of God. But they had no lack. They had what they needed. And so I want to encourage you. Go out. Get your daily bread every day, body, soul, spirit, even if it's only two seconds. The, the John Wesley would tell a story of, of his mom being in her prayer closet and how the kids weren't to bother her if she was in her prayer closet. Her prayer closet was simply this she'd sit down in the middle of her kitchen floor and flip her apron up over her head. And that was her prayer closet. She's like, I need two seconds to get away from these rotten brats, two seconds to get in front of the Lord. If that's you, then do it. Get those two seconds. There was no lack. It didn't matter if they gathered much. It didn't matter if they gathered little. As long as they gathered something, those seasons come and they go. And just as a reminder, he says, hey, right, they had to gather this before the sun got hot and melted it. You had a limited period of time each day to get out there and get your manna. It's why so often people encourage us to to spend some time with the Lord in the morning before the day gets crazy. It's weird. I kind of like to be up early in the morning, but I don't like to get up early in the morning. So if I happen to wake up early in the morning, I love it and it's a blast, but I hate getting up early in the morning. For me, the cool of my day when I really could spend time with God when I was younger was the evening time, after the kids were bathed and in bed, and I could go out and walk, and I could pray, and I could just spend time with God. So if it can be the morning, awesome. If it has to be the evening, awesome. Find time. Find time to gather that bread. Amen? Okay, continuing on. In verse 20. I love this. And Moses, this is actually 19. And Moses said, "'Let no one leave any of it until morning.'" And notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. I love that. I'm sure you moms in the house have had the question asked you, what's for dinner tonight? And you have said leftovers and seen the look of despair on your children's faces. That was me growing up. Uh, Unless it's good leftovers. I don't know. Maybe. Um, But here's the thing we can't consume yesterday's manna. Yesterday's manna stinks, and it has worms in it. It was there for yesterday. Yesterday, when it was given to us, it was sweet, and it tasted like honey. It was the mercy for that day. But today, yesterday's manna now has worms, and it stinks. And so, God was not saying to the children of Israel, hey, I don't want you to save understand that the rationale behind this was this, that simply that I know better than God what my needs are and what my family's needs are. So he says he's going to give me new stuff every day, but I know that little Johnny here might need another helping, so I'm just going to set a little bit aside and what if he forgets to send it one day and and then I need some, so I'm just going to save up a little bit. I'm going to trust that I'm smart enough to save it, that I can figure out a storage system, that I can figure out a way to use it after it's a day old. I'm going to trust in Kevin because Kevin's really smart. Smart and I'm just not gonna trust in God. That's really what they were saying here. And so God's like, nah uh 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 that's not the way it works. The mercies are new every morning, the bread is new every morning. Go out and gather it today for today's needs. Don't trust yourself, don't lean on your own understanding in my acknowledge my ways, right? And I'll make your path straight. If we'd saved up that manna from a, from a physical standpoint for the Israelites, they would have to figure out storage systems. They would have to figure out transportation systems. They would have been like, hey, wait, God, I know you want to lead us over there, but I got this big supply of manna over here that I got to kind of drag along with me, God. I don't think I can go over there where you want me to go. But I think I'll just hang out here in the wilderness with my big old pile of manna. Forget about that land flowing with milk and honey. Right? But he didn't want that for them. He wanted them to move through this desert and get to that promised land that he had for them. He said, no, don't store up this manna. For us, it takes on a spiritual element as well. Right? Look to my righteousness rather than Jesus. Scripture says that my righteousness is as filthy rags compared to his righteousness. And so he's saying, listen, you need new, you need new touch of Jesus every day. Right? I, I want to trust in Him and His mercy. So today is the day of salvation. Today I need Jesus. Today I need that manna. Today I need that sin forgiven. Today I need that cross. Today I need more of Him. Yesterday's manna was good for yesterday, but today I need more of Jesus. I need to be back at His feet. I need to have His forgiveness. And then we get to the Sabbath. Verses 22 through 27. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. And so they laid it up until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink. Fancy that. Nor were there any worms in it. And then Moses said... Eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find any in the field. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh, the Sabbath, there will be none. And check this. Now it happened that some of the people went on on the Sabbath day to gather, but they found none. <laughs> and that jumped off the page to me. You know, I don't know about you, but they found none because there wasn't supposed to be any that day. They were supposed to have gathered a double portion the day before. I know I'm guilty of this, but our modern American church is so guilty of fasting from Jesus for six days, not reading His Word, not praying, not sharing godly conversation and feeding our souls, not reading devotionals, not drawing close to Him, staying up way too late saturday night and stumbling into church the next morning and we come in hungry hangry maybe hung over a little bit from our week and we look for sunday morning to fill our empty tank we're hoping that there's banging worship by the worship team that week that they're really on track to drag my sorry butt into god's presence we're hoping that the pastor comes with a, with a word that just blows our minds and fills us with revelation and fills my tank for the week for something for me to think about. We're hoping that prayer team is spot on and just calling out sin in my life and casting out demons because, man, all week long, I've just been doing whatever I wanted to do. I'm telling you again, no condemnation. I've been there too. But too often, that's, that's our modern American church. But imagine a church where we follow the pattern, gathering together our daily bread, where each day we go and we spend some time feeding that spirit man, feeding that soul, getting our bodies ready. Imagine a church where six days we're doing that, and on the day before church, we're like, you know what, I'm going to gather a double portion today. I'm going to gather extra today. I'm going to be ready for tomorrow's service today, and we get to church. And the word is burning inside of our hearts, like Jeremiah, who says, The word of God is like a fire trapped up in my heart that has to get out. And we got to take turns getting up here and preaching because you got a word that you got to get out of you. And you got a word that you got to get out of you. And you got a word that you got to get out of you because the word of God is in your soul and it's got to come out. And we have to take turns doing it. And the worship team's like, hey, but it's time to worship. And they find themselves running after us because we're singing already psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We can't stay sitting in our seats, but we've got to be standing up, and we've got to be worshiping God. And they're like, wait, but we're supposed to lead you. Where are you guys going? They're chasing us, worshiping God. Imagine a church service where we gather together, an experience where we gather together, and the prayer team is all set to pray for us, and they find themselves being prayed for by every one of us, where the Spirit of God is moving out of us like a river of life flowing out of you and blessing them. Imagine that Sunday morning because that's what God was trying to set up. He was saying six days, go out and gather. Feed your heart, feed your soul, feed your spirit so that on the seventh day you can come together. Not that I'm going to bless you, but you're going to bless me. You're going to come together not looking for a blessing from me. You're going to come together because you just want to worship. You just want to declare my goodness. You just want to be an example to the whole world of what it's like to be totally sold out for the King of kings and Lord of lords. You just want to gather together and declare my name and my goodness. You want to come together and call down my kingdom on this planet earth that my will would be done here. That's what all you desire. That's what he's setting up. That's the opportunity we have. That's the challenge he sets forth. That kind of Sunday. Can you imagine the visitor walking in the door on that Sunday morning who sees that church going on? Tell you, they don't run out the back door. If they do, they're going out changed. They're going out declaring, I just went to a church like I'd never been to before. That's the opportunity, church. That's, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That's what it's all about. So let's pray. And let's jump back into worship. Noah, you can take this away. Let's come on, stand up, church. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's worship. For a little bit longer today, it's our turn on that cycle through the heavens, this blue ball that's spinning through the heavens today. It's our turn, and God's looking down from heaven with his eternal perspective. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We worship you today, Lord God. We exalt your name today, Lord God. We lift you high here, Lord God. We lift you above every problem, every trial, every tribulation. We lift you up, Lord God, over every need, Lord Jesus, today. And we bless your name, Lord God, for your name is holy. For your name is holy. For you are holy, Lord God. And we are your sheep, your people of your pasture, Lord. And we love you, and we exalt you, and we glorify you, and we magnify you this morning, Lord God. For you are great, and you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be worshipped. And so, Lord God, we just want to give you some time where we worship you, Lord, free and full and abandoned, Lord God, before you. We thank you, Jesus.